Hey, what an awesome fall day. It is. It is. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful um, time what to be alive. Time to be alive. I went, that, that song Beautiful by James Blunt. Oh, that's a different one. Yeah. Um, Are we recording right now already? Yeah, we're, we're live, but it doesn't mean uh, we can't just yeah, shoot that was, it. Yeah, that, that was... Come on now. Come okay. On. Um let's get it let's get it opened up because I'm 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 vibing right now. I know you are now, but real quick, I just want to quiz you. Do you know when summer officially ends? September twenty fourth. I think it's September twenty second. That's it's, what I remember. It's I know it's around there because it's right around Blake's birthday. Okay. You're probably right, I'm probably wrong, but I didn't think it was that late, to be honest. Yeah, but did you notice actually like it's weird. This is the first year that I feel like when summer ended, the weather actually changed that quickly. That's just a coincidence. Yeah, but it's weird though. Like I know it's a coincidence, yeah. but it went from like I mean, last Wednesday was ninety five degrees. Yeah. And now we're like mid to high sixties. But it was also not ninety five degrees in like late uh, August. August. I mean, it was every now and then, but yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying, but. I thought you were going to say it, it was the first time that you've recognized that with each passing day now, we're starting to lose more and more daylight, which sucks too. And we're getting older with each passing and day. And that too. And we're just getting wiser and more powerful Dude, do you as think an day- unscripted team. Do you think daylight savings is going to go away? Do you think they're going to cancel that? I think we talked about this. I think so. I think it should. Don't you, you know why they started that? Like farming, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did talk about that. Yeah. That's just super interesting. Yeah. I started watching Yellowstone, so like you might start hearing me talk a lot like this. All right. Yeah. You kind of already talk a little bit like Do that. I got a little bit a of a little twang. twang. A little twang. Let me just sit my Budweiser Zero and stop talking. Well, uh, are you uh, opening us up or is it me? Am I opening us up? Well, Welcome you- back to another episode of Unscripted Exchanges. Happy to be back in the studio, Hayden. Happy to be back. Feeling like just on a whole other level today. How are you feeling today? I'm ready to run through a wall. <laughs> Dude, get me jacked up. <laughs> I'm uh, ready to go. I we, stay calm. But the thing is, calm to someone else might not necessarily be calm to me. You got that right, man. You got that right. You know what? I, you know what was something that uh, I wanted to to dive into today that I was thinking about earlier um, is kind of centered around like Instagram and specifically, and this, this, you know, this came to mind. Are you trying to be an Instagram influencer? I mean, yeah, that's kind of why it came to mind. Yeah. I mean, it, it's part of, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to grow the brand and get the uh, audience and, and continue to get uh, engagement from people. So you, in this day and age, like you've got to be on Instagram, LinkedIn, and you don't have to be on LinkedIn, but Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, which we're not good at yet, and I keep planning to do, um, Facebook. You have to get out there and like be on, be, you know, forward facing. And one of these things I saw, um, and maybe you can elaborate a little bit more for me, but there's a lot of people that like buy or like buy Instagram accounts. And I know Instagram's like completely against that. But is that still happening? Like, are people still buying accounts? And then, like, you know, there's another part piece of that that's really annoying, too, as we're getting into the weeds with Instagram and, and using it more is the amount of spam accounts. Like, there, I feel like there's so many people that, like, so many fake accounts that will like some of our stuff or, like, a video I posted. They'll be like, oh, you know, I got one that's, like, up to, like, 
Yeah, it's not that many 500 likes, but it was like a two second video of Ava playing volleyball. I didn't post it to like get anybody, but it's like it's got like eight thousand views and it's still climbing. But almost every person that like likes it is just like it feels like it's like a bot or something at this point. So that's quite the topic to unpack, and I'll slowly uh, unpack it or try to myself, and then we can certainly dive into the details a little bit further. I would say that. Personally, I think there's nothing wrong with starting an Instagram account or a social profile, whether it's on TikTok and amassing a whole bunch of a following. Now, hopefully this following is like actual users and not bots and then selling it to someone that's interested. Like that is, again, as we've talked about this time and time again on our show, capitalism. Like that's just, there's there should be nothing illegal about that in my mind. Right. Where it would be illegal is if it, Hayden started you know, a social media profile that's got a hundred thousand followers. I'm doing air quotes. All right. And ninety five thousand of them are fake. And I sell it to Cole for ten thousand dollars and I'm ripping you off. That would be illegal because I'm selling a faulty product or a faulty service. Right. But there should be no restrictions in my mind of me willing to sell that to you if you're willing to pay whatever the price is. So as you called out, I think it's against Instagram's guidelines. We'd have to do a little bit more fact checking on that, but kind of just sharing my thoughts on whether or not it should be allowed or legal is yes, I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a great business opportunity. If someone's out there that's willing to pay for your Instagram profile that you've amassed a big following for, especially if it's a heavily engaged audience and the previous person owning the account has found a way to monetize it. That's no different than me having like a physical business and then selling it to you because it is just a digital business. Like I'm handing the keys to you to run this profile or this account. For example, what if it was like a comedian account or like gifts or memes and like you're able to then make those gifts or memes on t-shirts and sell merch. Like that is the business itself. Right. There's nothing in my mind that says that I can't go transfer that to you if you're willing to pay me x number of dollars well and i think like again you know there's like a few nuances to that but like generally speaking it is just a bit like you said it's just a business transaction like i can't argue with that like i would i was gonna try to come up with some like clever way to kind of like combat that but you know opinion you know my opinion is pretty in line with that um like we're both logical people like yeah the logic pretty log- in that seems fine yeah the yeah. only irritation i would have as a user uh, is when it's done and then I'm fed b- a bunch of bullshit that, you know, I was following this account because let's say I like this account because it's uh they have really good recipes yeah. and then they've got 500,000 followers and Blackstone buys them. Shout out Blackstone. Blackstone purchases this account and then all of a sudden, now instead of being able to see recipes that are oven recipes versus, you know, quick, quick hitter recipes versus cold recipes now like you know cold meals now you've got only stuff you can cook on the black stuff which personally i would love because i love using it but that would be irritating to me as a user that doesn't necessarily make it wrong right it just makes it different and i think one of the things we should do hayden as we are learning what instagram has to offer and we're talking about business um, i'm going to foreshadow an episode down the down the line i don't think we should do it yet um but I think we should talk about the business tools that Instagram offers. For sure. The ad tools, the shops, the all of that stuff that we're just now getting into. 
I know. Obviously, it's. I think it's. A, I'm, I'm foreshadowing an episode down the line because we're still learning. As, as well as Shopify, I think we should do um, some use cases on Shopify as we get. You know that for our listeners, that's the platform we use. Uh, it's got a lot of uh, you like tools and and it's it's a lot to learn. But I think we should we should get into that at some point. Yeah, I would love to. And I think you know we're just not well versed. We're not experts enough. yet. Yeah. And I won't even use the word experts. Like we're probably never going to be experts, or at least I'll speak for myself. I don't want to be seen as an expert. I want to be someone that is knowledgeable, but I don't want to be an expert because in my mind, an expert thinks they know it all and I'll never know it all. Yeah. I always kind of disagree with people saying, oh, I'm an expert. I mean, right. Sure. There are situations where I agree with that. But anyhow, piggybacking on to one of your other comments about how it could be annoying if, you know, another person took over a social media account, just trying to draw another real life example like i hear that i think that's totally valid and that's where you know the end consumers kind of dictate the supply and demand of your product Mm -hmm. and i go my mind when hearing you describe that goes to like apple (laughs) and steve jobs was an exceptional product leader Mm -hmm. that's debatable to some but anyhow he made these fascinating products for apple then, you know, he has these uh, health problems and he ends up passing away. The company then ends up being run by Tim Cook. Mm-hmm. I think that's his name. There are people arguing that ever since he's taken over, the innovation has basically died. Like that's an example of kind of what you're highlighting from a digital standpoint of, hey, Hayden was running this social media account or you were using a food example of it had 500,000 followers and they were posting these types of recipes and now someone else bought it and now they're shifting their content or what they want yeah, to push the, out there. That's the same it, example. It is, but it's also like, again, it's their prerogative. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. What you're saying, like, you know, Tim Cook took over and, and it's debatable, you know, whether Apple, and again, you're just, you're just hitting some ringers here because we should definitely dive into that. Um, whether we think Apple is where they're headed, you know, we should we should dissect that a little bit more. But generally speaking, yeah, I think that's but that's just the name of the game. That's just the, that's the ebbs and flows of of business and life. You know, some things are going to change for the better when when they're introduced. Like like let's say a person, you introduce a, a friend to another friend, and maybe you see improvements with your buddy because he, you know, now he's exposed to this person who's very fit or very organized and now you start seeing your friend get more organized you're like that's great but let's say that you introduce them and now you see your your you know your both your friends or one of your friends start being more lethargic and eating out and and you're like okay those are negative impacts well same thing with business right a business a, a, a business transaction takes place and either the brand's going to grow and be imp- impactive positively and again that's all debatable based off of your opinion but they might go one or two di- directions it's obviously going to change it just depends on how it's going to change i i i think it's always funny that you you hear about companies and this is always like an announcement too whenever you see a, hear a company go we're acquiring acquiring so and so and we're gonna leave them how they are. We're not gonna change their brand. Well, of course they're gonna freaking change. Like they're being they're not their own entity anymore. They might not change initially. They might be little things that change, but in that circumstance, they're going to change. So it's just a matter of like, does it change in a positive light for you or does it change in a negative light? Yeah, I I like how you described all that. I think one thing that I'd add on to that, or just another thought is when a company takes over a smaller company or another company, like I wonder how is that going to impact the culture? 
if I don't think the culture is going to impact that much, then I think the company is going to continue to do well into the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. Again, a lot of that is just intuition or gut and kind of assessing, okay, this company just made this acquisition. Who took over it? Like, what are they actually stating to people with their PR? And as you said, of course, a lot of times they're going to be like, oh, nothing's really going to change. But like, you want to try to get your ear in the door with trying to understand, okay, this employee's saying that the culture is completely going to be shifting or no, things actually are going well. Like that's to me, if you can get into that level of detail and understand what's going on on the front lines with someone that works with the company. And there are people that have those jobs or they have those connections and they, they find a way to know this information and they say that, yeah, you know, the, the culture really isn't changing too much or deteriorating like to me that is a green light for future continued success versus oh this company came in they claim that there wasn't going to be that much of an impact everyone's jobs were safe and then everything changed everything changed the culture people are upset because they're expected to work you know uh, later hours now because they're trying to appease more investors, things like that. I mean, it can turn into a whole ugly mess. So just wanted to sprinkle in, you know, look for whether or not you can understand if the culture is going to kind of stay relatively the same or if it's going to drastically change. And well, there's times where it could drastically change for the better too. So not to exclude that, but I think more times than not when a company comes in and takes over, they make the culture good shit. Well, I'm gonna and I'm gonna segue that 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 bubble of, of information you gave. I'm gonna segue that into our next topic that we were discussing earlier, but because I think this this is a nice kind of gathering of the but two. I, we didn't answer the other question. Hold there? that hold that thought. Well, you were you were asking about uh, all the spam out there because we get spam on our. Oh accounts. yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah. yeah. But hold that thought because we're definitely getting. I into wanted to segue. Okay, I'm yeah. thought, okay. I know that was a perfect segue, but we need to go well, back I'm to lock, one of the I'm other questions. I'm locking it in. Your question was multifaceted. Yeah. So yes, you and I have seen the amount of spam just increase over the past few weeks, really just based on this sheer amount of engagement that we're starting to get with unscripted. And thank you to our listeners out there, whether you're new or day one uh, folks. Um, but we're seeing more and more of these spam accounts like like our content. And it's kind of, I would say maybe a little bit frustrating, but it's just annoying to see that these accounts can like like and engage with our stuff. And it's like, there is so much advanced technology out there that this should be like literally a no brainer or a top feature for these companies like Instagram to just kill these dummy accounts. Right. Like it can't be that hard to like write some type of algorithm that understands, okay, this is a fake account or, you know, someone's creating this account and it doesn't really have this many users and they're doing it for malicious intent. Like, the amount of on my personal page with me trying to push some fitness and health stuff, I get all of these like promiscuous accounts. Yeah, they're weird. It's, it's, yeah, like, it's, it's bogus. Yeah. Well, and again, the business side of that, like the irritation I have with it is two things. One, like I don't really give a shit first, like about my personal stuff. Like yeah. I, I want, you know, I share that stuff because I'm proud of it. Mm-hmm. I love my family. I love my daughters. You know, and I think it's cool. I think it's worth sharing. I think it's people will get something out of it. But I'm not like, 
I'm not like, oh, I need more engagement on this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. my numbers were low. But then you go to the business side of it. Like, and I'm going to get very critical about it. Like, you're looking at like, okay, unscripted exchanges is a business entity. How do we like, a, it's a business account. And and I think Instagram, I'm, I'm going to throw something out there. I think there are definitely like ad tools and stuff. And there's definitely ways to like make yourself a business account. But I think they've got to have some different stipulations of so some different metrics and analytics and that sort of thing so that people that are starting a business or using that as a business tool can understand like their actual traction, their actual engagement and like how to monetize that, but also reach to the right audience. I don't think there's enough. There's so an Instagram call out on that. I got a few ideas for you. You guys can go ahead and reach out, but I think there's, I don't know. I do not believe there is enough put into that aspect of it because again you're getting like dummy accounts like you're going okay great this video got 400 views this one got 5000 the algorithm just kind of you know decided to change overnight and how do i know which one was actually engaging because this one might have 17 likes but they're all people i know this one might have 500 but i'm like okay do i have to go through every five uh, all 500 to decide like oh this is worth it and the problem is those vanity metrics then influence when you're approaching people or, or or brands or trying to grow outside of that. You can't really use those vanity metrics. Like how do you how do you go? Okay, our engagement is this. When you know that you know maybe you, maybe you do or don't know that half of them might be spam. Like what? How do you actually get granular with that? Yeah, fantastic question. I don't think there's an easy way to answer that. Um, Maybe billionaires if that was an easy way to answer that. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I could probably try to dissect that coming from an analytics background, but I'm not going to bore anyone uh, listening to this right now. But a couple of things I want to call out with what you mentioned there. One, if you are starting an Instagram account, there are ways that you can turn your profile into more of a business profile, and that gives you more um, insights into quote unquote, your engagement, which Cole and I have been hinting at might not be entirely accurate. But again, you can get a little bit more metrics or analytics there. If you change the setting to a business profile, we have that obviously set up for our unscripted exchanges account. Um, and I've also done that for my personal account. And the other thing that I wanted to highlight hearing you state, and it all goes back to like what each person's personal intentions are. Like, you previously, I think your Instagram, like your personal Instagram account was more so highlighting you and your family, which is awesome. And you can do whatever the hell you want to do. But I think I've started to see that shift and you're trying to make it more of a business. Like yeah. there's, there's more strategy in what you're posting yeah. more times than not. Yeah. And I think that's awesome because like we're, we're turning, we're putting on that business cap and trying to figure out how can we market ourselves and promote unscripted or how can we promote, you know, our business ventures that we're trying to start beyond just unscripted versus, Oh, I want to go flex and show my kids or what I did this weekend. And nothing's wrong with that either. I know we've talked about this, but again, there's always some type of strategy that you can go forward with and like understanding what is your intention that you want to use your social media platform for. Again, maybe it is just to do some personal flexing of, Hey, this is what I'm doing. If that's the life that you want to live, so be it. Nothing's wrong with that. But if you're trying to like grow a business, like there is more strategy in terms of what you should be posting, mm -hmm. how often you should be posting. Like I know there's people out there. Some of my closest friends probably like, why are you posting some of this stuff? And there's <laughs> definitely a reason why I'm posting some of this stuff. And like, I have no problem posting the stuff that I'm posting and it's me trying to drive a certain brand or yeah. an image. So 
it just goes back to what are you trying to use social media for? Well said. Well said. Can I segue now? Because I'm I'm already on the different next no. topic. Yeah, I'm can. segueing we because can. I think uh, well, this this is a pretty exciting conversation we're about to have. One of the things that has become more and it's always been popular, and you've always had companies or people acquiring other companies, but I I feel like generally generally speaking. We all have this notion that being an entrepreneur or starting a business, you have to start it from scratch. You always hear the like, I started this from my garage, right? Like, every, that's like any like any story that's on the news or like written about, it's always like, I started this from my garage or like I was in my college dorm or I was working. A lot of companies do start that way. But there's another way to get into entrepreneurship and to to grow a business and to become a business owner, there's actually several ways. Um, we're going to get into one, but you know, you've got you've got franchising, you've got um, different those kind of different avenues. The one that we wanted to focus on today, which I think is super interesting, and I've got some real life experience with this lately. Uh, maybe not the ownership part, but understanding that uh, if you're going out and you're saying, "Hey, I want to I want to start a business, or I want to I want to spend this money and invest on something." A big a big trend lately has been buying businesses and then building them. Buying businesses that are well established, whether it's in the uh, manufacturing industry, whether it's in the medical industry, whether it's in you know uh, payroll or logistics, whether it's any of those, it's buying a company that's already got a foundation, that's got team members, that has let's say steady revenue, and then building it from there. And I think there are so many opportunities out there to do that that. A lot of people just miss the boat entirely because they're like, oh, either I'm going to start my own out of my garage or with my own, you know, very beginning, you know, nuts and bolts, put it all together. And people miss the boat of like, you can go find companies that are already established, that already have, let's say, a solid customer base and might have the tools and machinery or whatever it is. To, and you can you can buy them and then grow them and you're you're in my opinion you're mountains ahead of you're 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 waves ahead of people that have to start and do everything by themselves in certain situations yeah that that's the key point right there what i'm hearing you say is instead of starting from the ground floor there are other alternatives out there where you can invest or buy a company um, that's looking to sell that's been established for X number of years. You can get you know the financials in terms of what their net operating profit has been, um, things like that to help you make that uh, purchase decision if you're trying to acquire that company. And that might be a better path forward because it probably does help mitigate the amount of risk that you're willing to take on versus starting something from scratch. So I think that's a great call out and recommendation for anyone that's interested in being an entrepreneur that is evaluating, okay, do I have to start from the ground floor? Or even if I am starting from the ground floor, how am I going to raise capital for this versus it might be a little bit easier to raise capital for an established business that's been out there for X number of years. And it's already, you know, been, been proven. It's got this, uh, success, uh, track or uh, record and you're able to go to a bank or a private lender that's able to give you money versus, you know, I've got this proof of concept. It's probably a little bit easier to get funded Dude, or something. Not ten times easier, a million times easier, right? I mean, I'm gonna use my company I work for now as an example because that's a very good example. So, are you allowed to discuss this? By the way, I want to make sure that 
Yeah, I'm not gonna use like a, I'm not gonna use like a whole lot of, but I mean, I, I tell everybody the story anyways. Okay. You know, um, the company I work for, you know, I started about two and a half years ago, and we have an am- amazing facilities, um, amazing customers, and the 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 goal was come in here and and grow the business, right? Come in here, we've got we've got the bones, we've got the team, we've got the resources. All we need is somebody to come in and help us grow it, help us get outside of just our current customer base, expand our offerings, and we've done that. Like over the past three years, we've added thirty plus customers, we've expanded our service offering, and the and the beautiful part about this is like if I were to go back. And, and look at it. If I were looking at it from a, I'm going to buy this business standpoint. Like this would have been a home run for me if I would have gone in, you know. And I don't think I could have afforded our business. I, I couldn't have been able to buy it. But I'm saying maybe five years from now, six from years from now, looking at businesses like that that already have, let's say, some some solid customers that have the facilities that have a team in place. Think about how much you don't have to do. You've got a good team. Now, you maybe maybe some of the team are duds, right? Maybe you have to replace them. But if you can go on a, a team and say, okay, they already have somebody doing accounting. They already have somebody, you know, doing operate running operations. They have somebody that's uh, managing customer service. All I got to come in here and do is is take these tools, help sharpen them, and then expand upon them, right? Instead of saying I have to create this tool and do all this stuff a CEO does this when they start a business, I have to recruit, I have to build up processes, I have to do this and that. You go, okay, I've got all this stuff, I've got the groundwork, I've got a foundation. Now all I got to do is build it up, right? Now I got to put more bricks on it. I got to maybe sh- do some yard work, man. I got to do some landscaping. Maybe I put some trees up. But you have, and I, I love, love, love that idea. And and I think that's a, a, a thing that a lot of people, there's a lot of people that do this, a lot of people that do this. But I mean, to your point, getting into like the financial aspect of it, like going in, let's say you want to scale the business. So you go in and say, okay, this, this business is doing two and a half million dollars a year. They've got a track record of doing anywhere from 2.3 to 2.7 over the past five years. Let's say their net income is 300,000. They've got a half million in assets, right? You can say, okay, we know this, right? Here's, here's our, here's what we've got. Then you go, okay, how many customers do they have? Three. All right. Let's just, I'm starting these out there. Three customers. All right, three customers doing two and a half million over the past five years. So what happens if I add a fourth customer and a fifth customer and a sixth customer? And you go, okay, we could take this from two point five to five and five to ten. Is there enough industry? And then you can start studying the industry. Okay, where's the where's the potential in this industry? What is what are the trends? Is this going up or going down? And then you go, okay, great. So I can buy this business and put it on a five year plan. And if I wanted to sell it. In five years, I could make I could turn this two and a half million dollars business into a ten million dollar business way faster than starting from zero with zero customers. Because when you start from zero with zero customers, a you don't have any proof that you're you know what you're doing, right? You got to build proof. You have to have one customer say yes. You have to point to them. So now you've got okay, we've got all this material, we've got all this experience and know how. How do I leverage that? to give it to other customers. And that to me is super exciting. Scaling businesses to me, that's where I want to be at. Like that's, that's the game. That's fun. Like, okay, we've got something. Now, how do we make it bigger? How do we make more money? Like that's there's, it's all fun, but that aspect of it gets me jazzed up. And I think it's, there's a lot of art to that. Right. But I think, uh, you know, my, my overall feeling of that is there's a lot of opportunities like that out there. And, you know, my, my ears are open and my eyes are open. Like, you know, how do we, you know, where can we help businesses do that? You know, 
I, I'm looking for companies that that want somebody to come, you know, for us to come in and say, "Hey, here's where you're at now. Let's take you to this level, right? Here's here's where I've done that in the past, and here's where I can help you do that." You're giving away all of our secrets, dude. I mean, we, you know, I'm just scaling businesses, scaling business to me is, um, you know, it's all it's all challenging. It's what drives you. It's what motivates yeah, you. Yeah, it's fun. Dude, your, it's your fun. Yeah. It's fun to take something and make it bigger. You you do sound like Alex and Layla Hormozy though, you know? Really? They, they like to acquire businesses and help them scale. That's what acquisitions.com is. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. I mean, that's did. to me. Alex, that, Layla, we could use some additional assistance ourselves, but uh, we really like your content. No, I mean, that's to me, that's like, that's fun and that's engaging and that's 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 business at its finest. Like you take, you take something and then you expand upon it and make it bigger than resell it. I mean, that's a couple of questions for you hearing, uh, you describe some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, or what, what do you think is one of the initial or first success metrics to a company? I'll leave it at that. What do you mean? If I'm looking at a company to buy or like a company to like, to like what do you mean? Yeah, good, good question. So what's the, in, in response? I guess, and I'm kind of then gonna just curate this to get the answer that I want. I guess I'll just <laughs> make the statement versus asking you the question. It's probably important to look at the track record of how many customers, which you were highlighting in your example, that this business has. If you're looking to acquire them and look at future growth opportunities, I mean, it's not that black and white. Mm -hmm. so you said you got to look at the industry. Where is it going to be in five years from now? But if they have a few customers, like maybe that's a good buy. Maybe it's not a good buy. It just depends. I mean, I'm using your words literally when you said that there was only like three customers for this made up fictitious business yeah. that may or may not be the right move. But what I'm also highlighting is that's also a good thing that they have paying reoccurring customers. Like what? that is the green flag in my mind that, Hey, if you have, repeat customers that are coming back that's a good sign versus oh no we're losing customers or no we don't really have customers and i guess that wouldn't really be an established business would be that proof of concept and that's what investors are looking for is mm -hmm. like hey do you have paying customers like that is the number one thing that you should be trying to get is paying customers you need paying customers so i think there's, there's a few ways i would address that because i agree with exactly what you're saying uh, the things i would look at is success metrics or like room to dive deeper like the first like on the surface level the first thing i say is okay how many customers do you have mm -hmm. great what's the industry look like yeah. fantastic and how long have you had those customers what's your revenue there's basically like i want to know mostly about the customers that's really from a sales background and from like a business a core business is based around how much they're selling a business does not exist without money coming in so at the end of it all i really give a shit about really is that the first thing the most important thing is that this customer this business has customers those customers have been with them for an extended amount of time and they're paying their bills and they're they're coming back for more right there's there's business that, that that's what i care about whether it's three five fifteen twenty there's that that's what i would look at number one say okay they're there then i'd say uh, you know okay they've got these customers the next question i'd ask again it's all sales related is here's the customers is there room to grow those accounts? Can we make? Can we get more business out of them? Okay, so we can look at this. Okay, we 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 know this about them because we've been working with them long enough. 
and we can and we can grow that account. So I'm going, all right, if I if I go into this business and I didn't add one more customer, I could still make it a three million dollar business by tapping just into these accounts. Great. So let's say, you know, perfect scenario, now you're doing three million dollars with three customers. So what happens when I add a fourth one? Well, what's the market potential? How long does that take? Then I start diving into like how long is how long is the customer acquisition process? What is what are the typical margins in this industry? Is it is it 45, 50%? Are you getting 80%? How many of these companies are recur- buy, coming back for more business? Like, how do you scale that? Again, it's all customer based. So, that's all I would really focus on is the metrics of like, what, what are they doing with their current customers? How are they supporting them? Can you grow those accounts? And then what is it going to take to add new customers? And if there's a pathway to that, right? If this, and, if it, and, and let's use the manufacturing industry as an example, because I'm in it, if there's a pathway for me to go from, these customers and use them to leverage new customers while still growing those account. If there's a pathway to that, then that's a home run to me. Then, then it's just a matter of like, how do you manage your money? How do you manage your personnel? And how do you, how do you manage that as you're growing? Right. And that's when you say, okay, let's say I want to go from two and a half million to 5 million, but I know I'm going to have to carry some weight. I'm going to have to carry, you know, these are my target customers and I'm gonna have to carry some overhead to get to that point. That's when you can go. I can I'll dive into my own pockets, or I go to a bank and say, "Hey, here's what I'm doing with three customers. Here's what I could do with these these ones. Here's the potential. Here's how much money I'll need." And you've got a much better case because you have proof that there's real people paying you real money, and the industry is not going anywhere. So that, I would focus again. I know I elaborated a lot, but my primary focus is. The customer base they have, what what are they able to do with that customer base, and then what is it going to take to acquire new customers? That's the sole thing I look at. And if you if you've got that, then you can put the rest of the pieces around it. What I'm hearing you say when you talk about acquiring new customers, I'm really going to oversimplify this, and I think you'll like this. Maybe maybe not. Is how can I foster relationships with? not only my current customers, but potential new customers. What is it going to take to acquire these new customers? And I think, keyword think, not I know, many companies end up spending too much on acquiring new customers. I mean, there's a fine line between how much you need to spend or how much you need to quote unquote invest to bring in new customers. And unfortunately, I it's definitely very situational depending on the business, the industry, et cetera, et cetera. But just recognize how much am I willing to spend to bring in a new customer? And first off, you need to know what that is so you can then recognize, okay, wait, I'm spending this much on average to bring in a new customer. We need to go back and reassess our strategy uh, for acquiring new customers. So Yeah, and I think that's I think you're spot on. And it just depends on the industry and what you're doing too and the, and the type of business. But like cost to acquisition, you know, cost to acquire, you know, if that's, you know, if, if that's here, but you can fill in some of that gap by growing your current customer base, you can offset some of that. Right. Love it. A lot of, a lot of I, that, stuff gets, that, that, that stuff gets me excited, you know, and I think um, any small business that wants to grow, if they're in the right industry, they have the potential to grow. You just got to finesse it. You got to have the right sales plan um, and you've got to be willing to go out and be flexible to get new accounts, you know, and yeah. it's, I, it's, it's sales driven, man. It's, it's how do you, how do you position yourself to 
be able to uh, offer your services and products to other clients. And then once you get them in, how do you support them and keep them spending money? I got another uh, off the dome question for you. Hit me. So I saw this recently and it was, I'm trying to recall exactly how it was stated. I'll just paraphrase. It was, there are two careers or professions that are seen as the least trustworthy. Mm -hmm. The top one was politicians. Yeah. We don't need to debate that. The second one was sales. Yeah. What would you say about someone saying that salespeople aren't very easy to trust or they're not trustworthy people? What would your response be to that question? A lot of people, a lot of salespeople aren't trustworthy, but a lot of accountants aren't trustworthy, a lot of lawyers, a lot of product managers, a lot of, uh, my point is, is like what I would say is, you know, you can't, you can't judge a whole, a whole professional or everybody based off one bad experience you had. Um, and sales, sales gets a lot of bad rap because you're customer facing and you're interacting. And I'll tell you, it's 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 tough to be. You know, sales is the number one um, area where you have to be the most forthright and the most and have the most integrity. And I think people that sales people like give give uh, a bad people a bad taste in their mouth. It's because they are. I'm going to tell you what you want to hear because I'm too nervous to tell you the truth. And that's where salespeople get a bad rap and be, and get that we're untrustworthy. Um, and there's probably a small minority that end up ruining it for the there is. There totally broader is. Well, and, population. And it's uh, you've also got really pushy and pressure, like pressure salespeople, and you've got all different types of people. But again, I think salespeople just get a bad rap because they're, job literally is to go get someone to say yes to buy something so the business runs and a lot of salespeople get desperate or and do things you know the wrong way i've learned uh through my experience that the best way to to win a customer's heart is just to be like brutally honest um tell them where you're at meet them where they're at and work through that together you know when something goes wrong you tell them something went wrong you apologize you move on with life but you know that's just my two cents. You know, I, I, I have a, a dream of, I've trained some salespeople and I enjoy that because I enjoy instilling in them like, hey, here's what really matters. And the first time you caught with a lie is the last time you'll ever, you'll, you'll, you'll ever be able to work with a customer like that uh, and word spreads and it's just not a good look. So my answer would be like, sales is just so forward facing. Like it's the one you know, it's the one position that relationships start with. And so I think it gets a lot of the spotlight and it also dictates everything else down the line. So if a salesperson says something wrong or miscommunicates and then it gets passed on to customer service because they've signed up for a contract and customer service says, oh, that's not the case, then all of a sudden the salesperson is a piece of shit. But maybe the salesperson, you know, wasn't educated, which is on them, but it, it's not, it's not just so like black and white as salespeople are so miss. It's just, they're the, they're the, the first person that any client talks to nine times out of 10 is a salesperson. And so that's, that's where the tone can be set good or, you know, great or terrible. And it's on salespeople to be educated. Like I cannot stand dealing with a salesperson that feeds me bullshit. It's like, you're a professional. Like you're here as a, as a person 
to more to consult with me and help set me up for success. But when you don't know or you rattle me off some BS, like I don't think you're sleazy. I think you're an idiot. That's my opinion. Salespeople that lie or misspeak, you know, and do it intentionally or unintentionally because they don't know the answer, like you're just being a dumbass. Like you need to go do your homework and become a professional. I mean, that's my that's my opinion. I think I really enjoyed your answer. I, I am pre I appreciate how detailed you got there too. And I thought you would like the question. It was a good I mean, question. It, it was something that I saw recently and I'm like, wow. I mean, I kind of resonate with, I would agree with that to some degree. When we talk sales uh, professionals, my mind goes directly to car salesmen. And there are some people that fit that stereotype, but I love the way that you described your answer. And I think if someone asks me, I'll, I'll slightly reframe the question. Like, why would I trust Hayden Huber? Like, right. why, why would I trust working with you? Or why would I trust working with Cole Hazenfield? And my answer would be, and you kind of hit, hit at it, um, just not explicitly as this, is we'll go talk to the relation, the people that I've built relationships with. Like, that is literally it. Yeah, here's like, my referrals. Yeah, Call them. Yeah. Exactly. Literally, that's like... And that's, that's again, that's where you get really good is when you can do that. You say, you know what? I get it. You're a little hesitant. Here's five phone numbers you can call. Yeah. You can talk to them about how to deal with me. Yeah. And you're spot on. I mean, having that as a, as a base to fall back on is astronomically huge. And I think too, um, I think what makes it challenging, and this is also, again, the nature of sales Hayden, yeah, is that sales is there like most salespeople? Most I put asterisk most if they're an organization organization smart, there's an aspect of commission mm-hmm. or or bonuses as part of that. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is when you're really not good and you're desperate, you start lying to fill hit your bonuses or hit your commission. And so I think there's a balancing act for organizations. You know the days of paying, uh, you know, salespeople, dirt, you know, shit. That comes back to bite you in the ass. You got to have a balance between paying them enough to make sure they're not super desperate, so they don't pressure or lie to their customers, and you got to and not paying them so much that they don't give a shit about making commission. Like there's a balancing act. Like you got to find that sweet spot, depending on what your industry you're in and what you're selling. So the salesperson is hungry enough to go after it and get it because they want the commission. You want them to want that. You want them to make want to make more money. That is sales. Like you gotta be hungry. Like people forget that. Like I I tell my customers, I you know, I make I get make really good money and I also make commission. Like, but I don't I'm not gonna press you to to make a decision. Like I just want you to know that like, you know, part of my compensation is that. Let's be upfront about it. A lot of salespeople are and you've got to have that balance of like you pay them enough so they're not total desperate jerk offs but you don't pay them so much that they're not they're, they motivated don't really enough to yeah and that's yeah. the that's the balancing so a lot of times when you meet these really seasonal salespeople that are lying and stuff it's because like all they're concerned about it is making that sale because they have to go feed their family and it sounds really really dramatic but it's true like it's there is an aspect of that. And who's to blame that quote unquote jerky salesperson that's, that's doing that to feed their, their yeah, family? Yeah, because they, they're, they're manager's not paying, you know, paying them, 
fifteen dollars an hour, but they've got three kids and they didn't sit. They didn't sell anything last month, so they now they got to make it up. Like, what are they going to do? So there's two things that I would. I'm going to act like I know. One that goes back to yeah, the manager, your yeah. boss that can help educate that person and help them become better sales professionals potentially, or as you were hitting on, pay them more because I think what I'm hearing you say is if you underpay a sales professional, they're going to start to cut corners or get desperate. And that's going to end up becoming more detrimental dude. or more expensive to your business. So it's like you pay for what you get, as they say. Dude, you underpay. Yeah. Or you better have like a just a product that sells really quick and you got a really killer comp plan if you're paying them low. It better be like boom, 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 boom. I would say another thing too, and then we can wrap up this, uh, this, this portion of it. Um, I would say like another thing that's super interesting about Sales in general is the fact that no, I lost my train of thought. Totally lost my train of thought. Dude, you've been working so hard over there. I had All a, the sales I had really, that you're you're making. You sound you sound like me, man. You, I'm rubbing off on you. I way had too a much. really <laughs> I had a really good one though. I had a really good one. It's okay. You know what that means? It's because I was going off saying what I wanted to say, and you were already trying to form your next thought. And then and I started listening. Exactly. Yeah. That happens to me. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. No, no, I mean, I think I think in general, again, yeah, to wrap that up, Hayden. You know, sales sales gets a good bad rap and honestly, it's just like it's a profession and it's a way, oh, I got it. it, it this is the last thing I was like, I found it. I got it back. Got it back. I hate the term buyers or liars. You ever heard that? If you're in sales, you've heard it. Buyers or liars. Buy, buyers are liars. No. Meaning this is what a lot of salespeople are taught, and that's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Is that, you know, your prospects lying or the first no, is is just the beginning of the sale. Shut up! Like sometimes the first no is legitimately no, and if you're really good and you've gotten and you've had somebody train you really well, like you're not going to get a whole lot of no's. But if you do get a no, like you're gonna, it's okay. It's it's a no. It's a no. Like it's sometimes a no is just a no and a lot of people are like you know you watch all these people on instagram and you know fucking all this social media going you know if sales hurts when you hear a no like sh no it doesn't like at all if you're good at what you do you don't even hear the word no the word no never comes out of their mouth the, the, the words that come out are like well i don't know if we're in a position right now to do that or well we're gonna have to take a look at this do you think you can send this over like you get and then you just work through that. But if you get a hard no, man, you've done, in my opinion, you've done something wrong to get a really hard no, or they're unqualified and they're just not going to buy anyways. Like, like somebody says no to me, I'm good enough. Like, I don't fucking care. Sure, peace. Move on with life. You know, I don't, no is no. Like, there's enough fish in the sea. FAP, find another prospect. That's how I look at it. Dropping right? acronyms left and right. So you're you're describing that from the perspective of a salesperson where the buyer could potentially be not telling the full story. Dude, buy yeah, the the, buy, the buyer's like you you're going through the motions and then they say like, "Well, I'm not going to buy it." Okay, thanks. No, it's interesting to hear that context or that point of view because I'm on the flip side from my end because when I go in and I go back to car you car sales when someone tells me this is the price and even not even cars, the the way my brain is wired, I immediately slash that number in half. How can I get that number cut in half? Like mm -hmm. I will literally be upset <laughs> if I'm spending 
higher than that half number that magically comes into my mind now every now and then i get over it potentially but like for cars in particular like i have a number in mind and i will not budge yeah but that's okay that's okay the problem is, is but like, the, what i'm getting at from my perspective is are salespeople lying to me on their first here's our best offer is it really their best offer in my mind this is just let me finish this out it's it's an opinion i think if i'm trying to win over a prospective client, I am going to go a little bit short knowing, statistically speaking, the person trying to buy the product knows that they think they can get a better deal. So I'm going to not give them the, the best deal right away because I'm probably working with someone that operates or has that philosophy. So using uh, it in, in car, in, in the context of selling a car, yeah, I'll give them an offer for 30000 when they think that, oh, no, can you do it for 27000 when I knew all along that I could do it for 27000 I would approach it that way in that context or even from a business standpoint with bringing on a new employee, I would be like, here's your compensation package, knowing that I actually can go up about 5 to 10% because I'm expecting, I'm expecting them to come back and hit me with a different number. And, and I negotiate. feel more appreciated yeah. when people do that versus, oh yeah, I'll just accept exactly what they said. Like those people are the people that you can just walk all over because they just accept what you know they believe the first time around. That's yeah. my philosophy. But I would say this, like to that point, your your car buying situation specifically. I also think you give sale, you give these people give companies and stuff too much credit for like the amount of thought that goes into that. Like I'll have customers come to me and say, you know, I'll say, hey, it's you know forty three, forty three thousand dollars. And they go, man, I really, you know, is that the best you can do? I need to do it more. You know, I I really need to be around forty. And I'm like, I don't know. Let me go look. Like I, it's at the time it was the best I had. Yeah. But now let me go look at what my margins are if I do it for forty. Yeah. So for a sales, a car buying process, you know, to them that's the best they've got. Then you say, okay, no, I need it to be down more. Okay, let me go look at it. Like that's not lying. That's legitimately like that's what what you're what you're describing is marketing. We're both on the same page. I think there's I'm just saying that to meet people, whether you're the buyer, or the seller, like understand that you're trying to go higher or lower depending on what side of the coin that you're on and start with knowing that you can move well, up. Well, sometimes down. you don't know though. What I'm saying like you no, know, what I'm getting at is sometimes you legitimately don't know if you've got room. Like I can't, I, I get a huge. So then, let me tell you this: Are you lying? You you're said not. You're lying. not lying. Why would you give a number? Then I would say, I'm not sure about that number. No, you say. Here's what you say. You say, you say, hey, it's forty three thousand. That's what. That's my sales price, right? And and you as so I said to you, Hayden, it's forty three grand. You say, man, I really wish I could be closer to forty. That's what I'm willing to spend. Then I go, well, let me see if I can make that work. Gotcha. And then I go back, and I'm saying what I'm what I'm saying is people give a lot of times they think salespeople are being sleazy, or you think, or I'm trying to negotiate. And nine times out of ten, why the fuck would I go spend my time to get you a forty thousand dollars price if you'll pay forty three thousand dollars, right? Yeah. If it's worth forty three thousand dollars and I'm making money and you're happy, I'm going to sell it for forty three thousand. Now, if you say I need to do it for forty, I don't want to lose the sale over three thousand. But if forty doesn't work for me, I might come back and say, you know what, my margins are at forty percent. I can't drop below that. I'll do it for forty one five. Otherwise, I'm going to have to walk. Like that's the way I look at it. But I'm not. I'm not going to go spend that time to give you my bottom dollar price until you ask for it. That's not marketing. That's business. I sh I'm not going to give you the bottom dollar price. 
I'm not even going to look at that. Like, what's the least amount I'll do this work for, and that's what I'll sell it for? That's that's. You might as well just close up shop now. I'm not going to give every deal at the lowest possible price. I'm going to give you what I think is a value is is a valuable price that I think it's worth. And if you say, hey, can you go lower? Then yeah, I'll check on it. But if I can't go lower, sometimes customers say that to me, and I know that I've already come in low, right? Because it's a, it's a certain type of project, and I've already skimped on it because I'm doing them a favor. And I'll say no, like. Sorry, I cannot do that. I cannot budge a, a muscle. And that's also belief in your product and your service. And that's what you got to have in sales. Like sometimes you just got to be like, no, sorry. Like I won't negotiate this. I gave you what I think it's worth. Whether you think it's worth of that, it's up to you. But that's what I think it's worth. I mean, what you're describing is the art of sales and negotiation too. Yeah. I, I, I love this conversation because you have more of the context coming from the uh, sales side and I'm more so on the flip side of being the buyer. Yeah. But using your same logic, and we're going to wrap this up, like why would I be willing to pay $43,000 using your example when I know that, hey, I'm going to try to see if I can get this for lower than that, knowing that I could pay, easily pay $43,000. See, it's the same logic that well, you're right. using from your side. So that's where both parties are trying to and tiptoe you, around and try to, to figure out to where meet. they can meet. Then you have to meet. That's the and word. the best salespeople, the best, the best professionals, and really like you could be a salesperson in any aspect, the best ones are going with absolute absolute belief that they're giving you the best price because they believe that and say, well, let me see what I can do. I won't ever change that. No, no, no. Uh, But I'm saying like, I'm saying like there's that, that diet, that dance is like, it's a good dance. Like that's what, that's what the dance needs to be that there has, there has to be one person that's going, can you give me something better? Can you do something? Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me look at it. And there's that, that salesperson's job is to go, can I make this work? Can I can I meet them there, still make money, and still and both parties are happy? If you can, then yeah, you should. Right. You know, but I, I don't I don't play the game of like, you know, don't budge on the price. Like if I could budge on the price and still make money, I'm like and still make what I need to make on it, yeah, I'm gonna do it. Like right. but if I have to budge to the point where it's like I'm 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 scraping by, like, no, right. I won't do there's that. so many fa- there's so many factors when it when it comes to that whether you're the buyer or the seller for sure. Well, hey, let's wrap this up. Great conversations, crushing it per usual. It's good to have you back in the studio, dude. Today, oh God, man! I didn't think you were ever coming back. You stormed out of here on episode of, what was it like 55? You're like, I ain't never coming back to Unscripted Exchanges headquarters. I'm done, dude. I left the corporate off, packed my shit up. <laughs> You know, I told people on the last episode that you got fired. <laughs> no, Jimmy, Jimmy got fired. He's back now. He had a spur of the moment. The amount of times Jimmy's been fired and rehired is got to be a Guinness World astronomical. Record. Yeah, it's like once a week. Well, guys, girls, ladies, folks, <laughs> everybody, them, he, she, <laughs> his, her. Yeah, thank you. We really appreciate you all for uh, tuning in. Uh, we got some promotions coming up soon wanted to announce that before i forgot that check out the website though we're selling stuff Mm -hmm. getting some sales uh take a look if you got questions reach out to us via email we'll continue to adapt learn evolve etc etc and uh, we'll talk to you next time god bless thanks guys